series called The Gospel of Jesus. We believe the gospel presents a compelling case for what Jesus' early followers believed. Jesus fulfilled God's promise to redeem his creation and make all things new. 
We believe the gospel of Jesus makes the most sense in explaining the meaning and purpose of life and our part in it. Why did Jesus face so much resistance? Why do people still resist him? Hey, LaCroix Community Church. Hope everybody is having a wonderful, wonderful Sunday. Thank you so much for joining us for this message today. The passage that, or the, the question that I was given to talk about is why did Jesus face resistance and why do we resist him today? I don't know about you guys, I, I've only gotten the opportunity to do this a few times, but when Pastor Steve came to me with these questions as the, the topic for the message, I almost had a heart attack because these are not simple, easy you know, fun little questions. It's a big topic, but I think we're going to do our best to break it down into a couple little bite-sized pieces that are a little easier uh, to deal with. But when looking at the resistance that Jesus faced, uh, I wanted to dig right down into it. So we're going to look at a passage directly from the mouth of Jesus. Uh, we're going to look at um, the Sermon on the Mount, a little portion of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is up on the mountain just talking to the people that have come to hear him. And I feel like this is going to be the best way for us to get to know why people resisted Jesus if we look at what Jesus said. So this passage comes from Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34. And as I read through this passage, um, I would just ask that you just listen and you just kind of feel the emotion that comes over you as you feel this or as you listen to this passage. A lot of people, when they hear this, they feel comfort, they feel encouragement. But if you're listening to it and you feel maybe nervous or afraid, I just want you to lean into that and really lean into why you're feeling that way as we read this passage. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I absolutely love this message, and I love this, just this tiny little nugget of wisdom that Jesus gives the people that are there. Um, this is also not the message, however, that you should quote to your fiance who's stressed out about all the work that she has to do on top of all the wedding planning she has to do. Uh, and it's eight in the morning and she just needs some peace. Uh, she 100% does not appreciate me telling her uh, that she shouldn't worry about these things because each day will worry about its own. That being said, at its core, this lesson is simply telling everyone to surrender to God. It's saying, hey, don't worry about the things that you need. God's gonna take care of you. Just surrender to him. And we start to take a look through that surrender of why people resisted what Jesus had to say. See, the first thing that people resisted was Jesus' call to change. 
Resistance came from those who, who thought they knew better than what Jesus had to say. The Pharisees lived their lives studying, reading, writing, and enforcing the law. So when Jesus came and he walked up to them and said, uh, hey, Pharisees, everything that you're doing, the entire way that you're living your life, yeah, that's wrong, and you need to change it. So of course, the reaction was, uh, I don't think so. No. I imagine I would have the same reaction. I don't know about you guys. I absolutely, absolutely despise change. The last church that I worked at, their parking lot was really long, which I loved because it meant the parking lots at the end that were really far away from the church often didn't get used. And so for over three and a half years, I parked in the exact same parking spot every single day. And I loved it. It's perfect. I always knew where I was going to park. I didn't have to worry about somebody being there, figuring out where I was going to park. It was perfect. Now here in our parking lot, same amount of spaces, but it's, our, it's stacked on itself a little bit more, so the far spots are not far away. That means that sometimes when I get to church, the spot that I like to park in, if you haven't figured it out yet, is taken. And it, frankly, it ruins my day when people aren't aware and they park in Ryan's spot. Now, it's not quite as dramatic as that, but we as humans don't like change. When somebody throws a monkey wrench in the, the perfect way that we've set up our lives and the, the expectations that we have for our day are ruined, it gets frustrating. But this is exactly what Jesus calls for us. The whole idea of repentance is to change. It's looking at your life and saying, God, I want to give this to you. I want to stop doing the things that I don't like, the things that are not of you, and I want to push more into what you have for me. See, the beautiful thing about Jesus, though, is we don't have to immediately take, make these changes. Baptism is not, oh, you get dunked, and the second you come out, you're no longer allowed to sin again, and you are now a perfect Christian, and if you ever sin again, that means you're not a Christian. No, that's, that's not what walking with Jesus is about. Walking with Jesus is a constant choice to choose him. It's saying, God, I know this is scary, I know this is hard, but I want to choose you every single day. I struggle with a lot of different passages in the Bible, and when I was choosing to become a, a, a pastor, when I was starting to go through classes and, and sign up for things, I sat down with a pastor friend of mine, and, and, and I just asked him, I was like, how do you do this? Throughout my entire life, I've looked up to pastors as leaders, as people who set an example for how to live, as people who set an example for how you should act and live your life. I said, I, I know God has called me to be a pastor, but, but I'm, not, I'm not a good person. I make mistakes all the time. I sin every day. How am I supposed to be a pastor that people look up to? And I remember this moment. He, he was sitting in my office at the time, and he said, Ryan, pastors are not called to be leaders who lead perfectly. They were called to lead with a limp, was the phrase that he said. And to me, that, it just spoke profoundly to me because change is not this immediate click. It's about saying hey, I may be your leader, I may be your pastor, but I'm not perfect. God is still working through things in my life that I've been struggling with. See, sometimes to enact change, it takes pain. Right, we see the story of Jonah. He was called to go preach to the Ninevites. It took him sinking into the sea and nearly drowning before he changed. We get the story of Samson, this guy who was given wonderful, wonderful gifts from God. But his heart wasn't right, and it took him losing 
well, everything, his eyes, his wife, his hair, before he changed. See, I like to tell the students in youth group, one of my, my favorite phrases to tell them is, let me pay the stupid tax. I don't know about any of you listening, but I imagine you've all done something stupid, right? You've all made a mistake, and you looked at either your kids or a friend or somebody younger than you, and you just say, hey, don't, uh, don't do this thing, right? For me, the big one is, hey, guys, don't lie, right? The more that you lie, the bigger hole you dig yourself in and the worse it gets. I got myself in a lot of trouble just because I tried to weave these webs of lies, and it just didn't work. So I tell the students, let me pay the stupid tax. Don't lick the cold pole in the middle of winter. Not that that really applies in San Diego, right? Don't touch the stove even right after you finished using it because it's probably hot. Right? These little things don't, or let other people pay the stupid tax. Learn from those around you so that you don't have to lose your eyes and your hair before you realize, hey, maybe I shouldn't run with scissors. But it doesn't always have to be painful to change. One of the things that I love about God and the way that he shows change is in the Bible, their names just completely become something different, which makes it super easy for you to be able to tell at what point in the story the character is. So for example, Paul, right, on the road to Damascus, completely becomes a different person. Just by experiencing the Lord, he changes. Everything about him becomes new. Paul changed when he experienced God. That's my hope for every single one of us, that we would be unlike the Pharisees. That when Jesus calls for change in our lives, rather than throwing a temper tantrum, rather than being frustrated or angry and resisting him, we would lean into that change. And we would say, no, God, not only am I willing to fight through this change, but I want to lean into it even more. That leads me into the next time we see resistance for Jesus. We see resistance for Jesus in control. If somebody asked you, right, they came up to you, good friend of yours, calls you up, says, hey, I've been really struggling with making decisions in my life. I keep making the wrong decisions. I'm just, I'm really bad at choosing things. So I've decided I am never going to make another decision in my life. I want you to make every choice from what I wear in the morning, from what I'm going to eat, to the people that I'm going to hang out with, the jobs that I'm going to take. You know, I've been really frustrated with my boss. First decision right now, should I quit my job? I don't know about you, but even thinking about that happening to me, about having to be the decider for someone's entire life, that just gives me anxiety up the wall, right? Wait, not only do I have to figure out my own life, but I have to figure out your life. And I have to make all the decisions for you. And I have to make sure that you're not going to hurt yourself. You're not going to make a big decision. I have to pick out what you're going to wear and what you're going to eat. Oh, and I just start going crazy. That sounds awful. Being responsible for somebody's life, that's just not a burden I want to bear. But for whatever reason, that's exactly what we do with our own lives. We refuse to surrender to Jesus because that requires us to be vulnerable. In some instances, it requires that we admit that we have a problem. And not only do we have to give up control, but then we have to change. 
which is even more, which is another place for even more resistance. Control is one of the hardest things to give up. But that's exactly what Jesus is asking for us. Saying, hey, don't worry about what's going to happen in your life. Don't worry about the clothes that you're going to wear. Don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Because if you're too focused on that, there's no space for me in your heart. There's no space for the Lord. I want to take a moment right now just to pray for us. During the Read, Think, Pray this week, I challenged everybody to look at a part of our life where we felt resistant to God. If you didn't get a chance to take a look at that, that video and that little passage, I would really encourage you after this message to go take a look at that. But right now, as, as we sit and as we think about the areas in our lives where we're resistant to God, I just really feel called to pray for our congregation and to pray for our church. So join me in prayer. God, my heart just feels really, really heavy right now, Lord. There's a lot of just pain and exhaustion that I think we've been going through the last few weeks, the last few months, God, this year. I pray that as we feel that resistance to God, we feel ourselves getting frustrated, irritated, tired, that instead of giving up, instead of letting go, and being apathetic, God, we would be brave. We would lean into you. God, I, I pray for a peace to wash over La Jolla Community Church. That hurts would be healed. That communication lines would open up and that and just healing and peace would wash over our community, God. I just pray for healing for the members of our congregation and all the family members watching, Lord. Pray that you would encourage every single one of them. And just remind them that we are your children. And just because we struggle, just because we're hurting, doesn't make us any less your children, God. So pray for peace today as we go throughout our days. That we would be willing to admit the things that we've been holding back, God, that we would surrender to you and let you be our true Father. Set us free today, Lord Jesus. In your name, amen. I appreciate you guys just praying with me there. Um, a lot of times, one of the easiest things that we can do when we're feeling that resistance, when we're feeling uncomfortable, like God is calling us to do something that'll be hard, is just to lean into that prayer. Resistance is normal, it, it happens, but it's what we choose to do with it that matters. Which leads me to my last point. Another big piece where people resist Jesus is in comfort. We all just want to feel safe, so we resist what feels scary or unknown. A lot of times when we think about those that resist Jesus, right, we think about, oh, you just don't know him yet. Once you know Jesus, of course you won't resist him. I don't know about you, but whenever God asks me to do something that I'm uncomfortable with, I sure resist him a lot. 
We stick with what we know because it's safe. I'm still that kid who is terrified of the dark and only feels safe when I'm underneath my blankets all cozy. So if I have to get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, I've got my hand reached out on the light switch and I stretch out. Let's see if we can get to the edge of the frame here. And I stretch out as far as I can go. And then I dive under the covers so that I can be safe. Comfort is what we crave. So a lot of the biggest emotions that come with change, that come with giving up control, it's fear, it's worry. Which is ironic because that's exactly what God is, or Jesus is telling us to give up. He's saying, don't be afraid. Don't worry. When you surrender to God, when you surrender your life to him, you let those things go. We're afraid of what is around the corner. We're afraid of what we don't know because it brings uncertainty. I couldn't tell you the amount of times I've done something way harder than it needs to just because that's what I know. When I was going through this passage, right, that word worry pops out. And I'm a bit of a nerd. I I love to look at, well, what does that exactly mean? What does worry exactly mean? And as I've been going through my, my seminary studies, they give us kind of cool tools that we can use to be able to look through words or to look through different parts of the Bible. And I am so thankful that I live in the time that I do because I could not imagine what it would be like to look up every single one of these. But as it is, I have some software where I can just click on a word and it pops up with a little list of everywhere that word shows up in the Bible. So I did that with the word worry here. And it popped up with this little Greek word that just looks like swirls and squiggles to me because I can't speak it. But the word worry, whenever it's used in the Bible, it's not this thinking, right? It's not this, well, don't think about your life. The word worry is more of a care, right? We see it used in other areas where it's, it's where do you show your care for other things? Where do you put your heart towards? So in this passage, when, when Jesus says, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, he's not saying don't think about your life. He's not saying don't think about what you eat or what you will drink. What he's saying is, where are you putting your heart towards? How much space in your heart is taken up towards what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear? It's so much more than just a thought. There's emotion that's tied with it. So when Jesus says, don't worry, it's it's not don't worry with your head, it's don't worry with your heart. Is it consuming your life? Is that anxiety taking over your day-to-day moments so that there's no longer space for Jesus? Planning what you're going to do tomorrow, there's nothing wrong with that. I love meal prep. Got my little containers that I stick in the fridge, plan out for the week everything I'm going to eat. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, hey, Don't let it ruin your day because your favorite shirt gets ruined in the wash. Don't let it ruin all the great things that God has for you. If you're a little anxious about your job, he says, surrender to me and I will take care of you. You may be a little nervous about your job. You may be uncertain as to what's happening. But you have faith in the Lord and therefore you don't worry with your heart because you have faith in God. The resistance comes from when we get stuck too much in our head. We're stuck too much more, too much in the thinking about what's going on. 
We're stuck too much in the, I want to be in control. I don't want to do this change because it's going to be hard. I'm too afraid to bring up the things that I've done wrong because I don't want to hurt other people. See, Jesus shocked the world when he told them they'd gotten it wrong. But we have a choice to make. How will we we respond when Jesus calls us to change? We can be like the Pharisees, and we can throw a temper tantrum. We can be angry. We can refuse to see our flaws and continue to live our own comfortable lives. Or we can embrace the change. We can surrender with our whole heart to God. And better yet, we can ask him for more. That's my heart for each and every one of us today. Is that rather than worry and be stressed about what's going to happen tomorrow, rather than refreshing our news feed every 10 seconds to see what crazy thing is going on in the world, rather than be so stressed out about the changes that are happening in our world, we would spend more time digging into the Word and having faith in Jesus. It's important to be aware of what's going on in the world so that we can be good citizens of it. But it's even more important to make sure that our heart is always set on Jesus. Because if we spend too much time resisting him and not enough time accepting him and letting him change us, we'll become just as broken as the rest of the world. My hope and my prayer is that the change that this world needs would start within La Jolla Community Church. It would start because we are brave enough to admit the things that are wrong in our lives. We would stop trying to hide things to muscle through our problems and we would start seeking him and allowing him to change us. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for your amazing word, for the affirmations where you remind us that if we let you stay in charge, that our lives go much more smoothly, Lord. I pray that you would help us to be brave, to let go of the control that we want over our lives, that we would embrace the change that you have for us, And we would step out in our uncomfortability, God. That you would help us to be okay not being comfortable. Pray that you would encourage us to be brave with our friends and family. To lead with a limp God in all aspects of our lives. To be honest with our struggles. And to love on and share those struggles with others. That you would lift us up, encourage us, guide us, and help us to be better citizens of this world. Praise you, thank you, and all God's people said, amen. Hope everybody has a wonderful, wonderful Sunday. Um, Excited to see you again next Sunday. Um, Pastor Steve uh, is going to be out for the next week, but we're going to have a fantastic, fantastic message for you. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.